You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to keep Colossians chapter 3 with me open. Would you go ahead and just find that with me and just stay right there? The passage, it was read by the Tanner family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're worshiping online, we're really glad that you're here today. And of course, for so many And I really see a turn today. I'm seeing more and more folks, and so it's so good to see you guys and have you worshiping with us, and I see some new guests, some new faces. Thanks for taking time to worship with us. You know, as we think about our Sundays and our habits and how the coronavirus has changed us, we as believers need to be mindful that around the globe there are persecuted people who would give anything to come into a place of worship and have that kind of freedom. And so this is a great opportunity for us and don't let, don't let church be the last place that you reintroduce yourself to. In other words, of all the things that you end up going to for the first time back after this, after your shelter in place, don't let the church house be the last place. Let's gather together and worship as soon as possible because we are to be in the Lord's house. Do you know how this finishes? We're to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's Day. Have you guys not heard that? I'm about to change the sermon and do something different. (laughs) Let's go back over that. We're to be on the Lord's house in the Lord's Day. All right. Lord, have mercy. God, help us. I feel like I'm dad right now, and my kids have just forgotten a big, big moment. You know, do you remember these statements? Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. The only problem with that quote is it's not true. There's lots of things to fear, lots of things to fear. Anybody want their master bedroom full of tarantula spiders? How about, do you like rattlesnakes? Anybody fear rattlesnakes? Yeah, things that I fear. In fact, the things that I fear are terrorists and crime and people breaking in the house. The truth is there are real and powerful threats to us on this day. There are real threats to us. There's rioting in the streets. There was a man that in Minneapolis got arrested for nothing more than a counterfeit bill, and we've watched his life be snuffed out in front of us over and over again. One that is emblazoned in my mind, and I just cannot believe that that's happened. We do have bad cops like we have bad pastors and perhaps bad teachers, and we do have many good cops. And we know that just yesterday, that a police officer in Northern California was ambushed and his life was taken. This is a time of tremendous turmoil in our nation. We are experiencing perhaps some of the parts of the 1960s all over again, and we are on edge. In addition to the riots, in addition to the pieces that are happening with police officers acting badly, we've got, we've got a pandemic and a global slowdown economically. There are people who are struggling for work, places of not knowing where their next paycheck's coming down. So how do we find a path forward in this time of turmoil? How do we find this in a time when unemployment is approaching the levels of the Great Depression? This is where our Bible comes to be very real because the Bible tells us there are unseen, hidden realities that are more powerful than the realities that we're seeing. Do you believe that? The Bible tells us there are unseen, hidden realities that are more powerful than anything that we're seeing. Colossians 3 pulls back the curtain for us. 
And so for the next few moments, I want this to hit home, and I want this to be galvanized in our minds today, and I want to bring home to you the powerful reality where Christ is and the unbelievable future for every believer in Jesus Christ. And while I'll be speaking to believers in the next few moments, for those of you who are worshiping online, for those of you who are worshiping here together, today if you've yet to embrace Christ, we'll give you an opportunity, a ramp, to get onto the highway of following Christ. Today with me, keep your Bible open to Colossians 3 as we speak about this subject of our identity. First, look with me to set a different way. You and I, if we're going to find a path forward in this tumultuous time, we're going to have to set a different way. In fact, look at verse 3 with me in Colossians 3, and you'll see these on the screen. For the believer, the Bible says, you have died, you have died with Christ. The believer in Christ is not someone who just prayed a prayer and done something at church. The Bible says that you have died, and this is your identity. When he died, you died. When he rises, you rise. And when he comes again, you are attached to his hip. As he trends upward, you trend upward. And as Christ perhaps trends downward in our society, same thing for us. In fact, so wrapped up in Jesus that in these four verses, this is why having a Bible is so important, looking at this so you can see if the pastor's telling you the truth. In four verses, the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned five times. Count them with me in the beginning of verse 1, where we see with Christ. And then later on in verse 1, you'll see it says where Christ. In verse 3, it's with Christ. One more time there at the beginning of verse 4, when Christ, and then a pronoun, if you'll notice, in verse 4 as well, with him. The truth is, you and I need to set a different way, and we need to see a different way. And that's possible because of Jesus Christ. He's not a remote historical figure only. He is someone who's alive, and the reality of is powerful. So let me ask yourself, let me ask you a question. How do you see yourself? If we're together and you stretch out your hand and shake my hand, how do you identify yourself? For a young person today, you might say, I'm a student. For a housewife, you might say, I'm a stay-at-home mother. For the young medical professional, she might say, well, I'm a, I'm a nurse. Or perhaps for an academic type, you want to say, I want to be a professor, or I am a professor. Overwhelmingly, what I'm seeing in our society today are that those who've been marginalized, those who are abused, their identity is, I'm a victim, which is a dangerous thing to identify yourself as a victim all of your life. Here's something that's powerful. If you're in Christ, the Bible says that you have died with him. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. So much so that we see in a moment we're going to be hidden with him. This came home to me in watching an E60 show, ESPN. Those of us who love sports, we're missing sports. Can I get a witness? And so without baseball, tuned in watching the story of Doc Holliday, retired in 2013, perhaps the most dominant picture, or one of the most dominant pitchers of his time, two-time Cy Young Award winner. But the truth is the Toronto Blue Jay and the Philadelphia Philly that along the way in pitching, as his dominance, as he let out in the RA and wins, is that he found himself addicted to painkillers. In fact, his wife said that he lost three inches of his height during his pitching years. So he went from, let's say, 6'5 to 6'2. Three inches of his spine were lost because he was dedicated to the task, he was dedicated to the profession. As he was 
so dedicated and hiding, again, his identity was wrapped up being a picture, according to his wife. He was ashamed. He didn't want anyone to know he wasn't perfect. So while he was in substance abuse program, even though he was weeks away from graduation, weeks away from properly being released, he jumped out early. Why? Because he told his wife someone brought a phone in. And he didn't want news getting out to the Phillies and the Blue Jays fans that he wasn't all that he was cracked up to be. Fast forward to 2017 and Roy Holiday is dead. When he was inducted in 2019 to the Hall of Fame, his wife gave the speech and kissed it of him. Why? Because his identity was wrapped up and the symptom became he was addicted to painkillers. Did you notice what I said? His identity was wrapped up in his profession, but his symptom was he was addicted to painkillers and the plane that he was piloting, he crashed. According to the autopsy, he had no business operating a plane, much less an automobile. What is your identity? Some of you are turning to addictions to mask the problem of your identity. What is, what is got you hiding? What is the way in which you would identify yourself today? The Bible says if you're a believer, you have died. Now, if you're not a believer, you've met a lot of people who've played around with Jesus. There's a lot of those in the South. But if you're a real, genuine McCoy, you've died with Christ. What does that mean? When he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. When he comes back, you come back. It's the real thing. As he trends upward, you trend upward. When he trends downward, this way you trend. In fact, back in chapter 2 of verse 12, this is the definitive experience for every believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible says believers are buried with Christ in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. That's how you ramp into Jesus, faith in Christ, the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So what's your identity today? Have you embraced the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you still at a place where you're looking and thinking? In fact, what I find as a pastor, and having pastored now for 20 years, that a lot of people treat Jesus like a truck and a trailer. A truck and a trailer are connected and if you're driving a truck, you will disconnect the trailer the moment you don't need the trailer. Because driving around the Metroplex with a trailer is difficult, backing those in and pulling in the driveway. So the trailer is connected to the truck only as long as it's beneficial to the driver. And some of you are treating Jesus that way. You connect with him when it's convenient and you disconnect from him as soon as it's not convenient. You connect with Jesus on Sunday because it's the right thing to do. You know the lingo, you got all that stuff, but when it comes to business tomorrow, well, we don't, need a, we don't need that baggage of being honest when it comes to business, so we disconnect from Jesus. Friend, that, that's not verse 3. That's not died with Jesus, hid with Jesus. You're still in the playing around phase, and I want to call upon you to define your identity in Christ. You're to set a different way. Secondly, I want you to see, I want you to set a different way, but you're to adopt a different mindset. If you're going to navigate tumultuous times, police officers acting badly, citizens acting badly toward police officers, pandemic, economic meltdown, all this, you're going to have to adopt a different mindset. In fact, verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3 says as much. There's two words I want you to see, and they're the commands of this. The Bible's commanding you to do something. The Bible says you're to seek and you're to set. You see those words? You're to seek and you're to set. You're to seek things that are above and you're to set your mind on things that are above. 
You're to seek things that are above, and you're to set your mind on things that are above. The Bible calls upon you to form a new opinion of you and your future. Think about it this morning. You've got so many distracting thoughts, TV, Wi-Fi, social media, water cooler at work, or wherever you gather, all these distracting millions of thousands of distracting thoughts calling you to think and focus on anything other than the real thing. You're to fix your mind. You're to determine your mindset. You're to determine your mindset. The Bible calls upon you to lift your horizon, lift your eyes to what is above and to what is the future. In fact, in verse 1, you'll see there's three, three positions of Christ. I want you to know all three of these. He is above, he is seated, and he's at the right hand. If you're going to find a path forward, you're going to need to see Christ is above. You're going to see that he is seated. And third and lastly, he's at the right hand. What does it mean that he is above? The Bible says in verse 2, we're to set our mind on the things that are above. It's what is fixed. You see, the truth is everything that you're seeing is temporary. And that which you're not seeing is fixed and eternal. The Bible teaches in the book of Peter that all the heavens, all the skies, all the earth will be burned with fire one day. So everything that you're working for, everything that you think is fixed and real is nothing. It's going to go away. Emmys and Oscars and Employees of the Year awards are going to go away. Social media is going to go away. The opinions of celebrities are going to go away. More than that, America and the White House are going to go away. All that you think is real is not fixed. It's temporary. And the Bible says to take your mind and lift it above and put it on that which is fixed for eternity. What is that is fixed? Well, look at the next piece. It says in verse 1, at the right hand. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that Christ is at the right hand. The right hand is an ancient way of referring to he is in power, royal robes of authority. He is king of kings. And a moment ago, we read as a church family these words that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. His right hand is a place of honor and dignity and authority. I tell you what's interesting to see exactly what he's doing at the right hand right now. Did you know what he's doing? These times of turmoil. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 34, these words at the end. Who Christ is at the right hand of God, he's interceding for us. Does that might give anybody hope in the room that none other than Christ himself is praying? Now imagine this. Let me take the glasses off and get your attention. Get you look at me as I look at you. Huh? Christ, do you think he knows your name? Yeah, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool in church on Sunday morning. Of course he knows your name. He's praying for you as a believer by name. That's what he's doing with his power. That's how self-sacrificial he is, even at the cross to the present. So the Bible says he is at the right hand. Third thing that you need to focus on back in Colossians is that he is seated. The Bible says not only is he at the right hand, but he is seated. You know the number one verse, the number one Old Testament verse quoted in the New Testament? We'll do Bible trivia later. It's Psalm 110.1. Would you have gotten that? Psalm 110. That's the number one Old Testament verse quoted in the New Testament. 
It's referred to in Colossians right here. It speaks of the ascension of Jesus Christ. He is at the right hand until I make my enemies a footstool. Someone, Jesus himself spoke of that verse of himself while he was on the earth. The ascension is where Christ takes an elevator from earth to heaven. It's where he is now unseen, but he is real and he's powerful. And the Bible says he sits. He is seated. He sits. He is seated as I am before you this morning. Sitting, seated. What is he doing there? The Bible tells us in Hebrews. Back in Colossians, just a moment, look what it says here. But when Christ had offered, it offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. Why do we not wear a crucifix around our necks with Christ on that crucifix? Because he's not continuing on the cross. He's finished with the cross. He's now seated at the right hand, and he is waiting. Again, there's Psalm 110, verse 1. You could see it. It's feeding into Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. 33-year-old young man in Tampa Bay, Florida, some years ago. He was dying of cancer. His parents had gathered around his bed. What would you, what would you think if your 33-year-old boy was dying of cancer? Would that be a grief-stricken moment? Absolutely it would. So many hopes and prayers were pinned to him. This is what he said to his parents, quote, don't worry about me. I'm just being transferred to headquarters. How did he get that kind of confidence? He got that kind of confidence because he gained the confidence as a result that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's where that comes from. Christ has performed all that is necessary by dying on the cross for you. And I need you to feel that and know that. By the way, Maybe any rednecks in the room? Any southern rednecks? Any southern redneck males in the room? If a threat comes in your home, gentlemen, what would you do? Would you remain seated in your lazy boy chair? Would you have it recline back like you will this afternoon? Not at all. Not at all. If you have a threat, it enter into your home. You don't send your girlfriend, you don't send your daughter, and you don't send your wife. You stand up. Do you not? The Bible says Christ is seated. There's nothing that has threatened him to warrant that he would get up. Think about that. He is seated until the day in which all things are put under his feet. Does that not give you confidence that there is a God in heaven and his son Jesus Christ is at his right hand? You are to adopt a different mindset. Back in verse 1 and verse 2, the Bible says this, to set, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. In fact, the original language of the word set in verse 2, you could just write this in your Bible for the next time you read this, you get a hold of it. It's, an, it's a tense in the original to continue to set, to continue to set. Things are going to threaten Things are going to come on the news. Things are going to happen at school. Things are going to happen at home. Things are going to happen at workplace. And all of a sudden, I'm going to lower my eyesight. I'm going to lower my horizon. My attention is going to be on everything else. And weeks will go by. Months will go by. And I'll go, oh, my gosh. I've not thought about the things that are fixed and real and eternal in a long time. For some of you, it's been years. The Bible calls upon you to continually to readjust. You continually seize these. You continue to gaze at these and dig into these realities. You're to taste and savor and treasure them. 
There's got to be a persistence on your part. There's got to be a persistence. This is not going to be a one-time thing, and you forget about it. You're going to have to come back to it. I'm reminded here, years ago when Lou Gehrig was an awkward rookie, the Yankee legend, Lou Gehrig. Ty Cobb said of Lou Gehrig, and I quote, look at those piano legs. He'll never last. Lou Gehrig went on to play 2,130 consecutive games. His nickname was the Iron Man of baseball. How's that work for you, Mr. Mr. Cobb? What I'm telling you is that you're to have Lou Gehrig-like persistence. If you're going to fight to keep your focus, you're going to have to continually persist to that. Something was ingrained in me as a student years ago when I became successful as a student. I did not say I was always successful as a student. When I became successful, I learned to write down the due date. And once I learned the due date, I would begin to work backwards. And even years now after school's done with, I learned that when is something due? When are we going to have attention on that and to work backward from it? You have a due date. You have a date. You have an appointment with Almighty God. Now, you don't know the date. Mine could be today. Yours could be before we leave this room. Now you have to work backward. You've got to continually set your mind toward that beautiful reality if you're in Jesus Christ. Now for the second reference for southern rednecks in the room. Any men in the room? You know how you know if you've got a man in the house? He is in charge of the thermostat. It's not a Democrat, not a, not a democracy, I should say, when it comes to the thermostat. I am in control of the thermostat. I'm the one who pays the bills, right? I'm the one to be comfortable. When we look at that word, two, verse 2, set, you're to set your mind on things that are above, like setting a thermostat. You set it on 75 or 72, and you continue to bring it right back there, right back there. Temperatures get hot, you bring it right back. This is a powerful thing. And will bring your hope and bring your countenance up. Third, not only you adopt a different mindset, but you're to aspire for a different life. Again, these are tumultuous times, rocky times. Again, all the things that are happening, potentially unprecedented. How do you view your life with Jesus Christ? Are you the traitor that disconnects from Jesus upon whim and convenience? And reconnect at the moment of convenience? Tragedy comes, let's reconnect to Jesus. I don't want to be connected to him right now. I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to discard the traitor. I'm going to discard Jesus. I'm going to leave him in the driveway. I'm going to leave him at home. I'm going to go about my life, and when it's necessary, I'm going to come back. Too many people treat God as the garage mechanic. I call my garage mechanic only when the car is broken down. You need the Lord as a present, powerful peace. Verse 3 again says, you have died with Christ. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so this is something that you and I need. We need to identify ourselves with Jesus Christ and be wrapped up in him. In fact, that word at the beginning of verse 3 to say that you've died with him. Of the Nuremberg War trials years ago, after the entire Nazi regime had been toppled and 
the Nuremberg war trials were beginning to prosecute these men and women to see if we could bring them to justice. One man said that the only place, the only man, the Jewish man said, the only place I could go to escape the Nazis was the Jewish cemetery. And he said, while I was there, things were so bad that a young mother had climbed into a grave in order to give birth. Can you imagine giving birth to a baby and your baby seeing the first breath, the first light of day, potentially six feet underground? Gives new meaning to, I've died with Christ. As he died, I died. As he rises, I rise. I'm attached to his tip, hip. I trend with him. He trends up, I trend up. If he trends down, I trend down. In fact, the same author of Colossians, another letter of Philippians, would write these words. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I want to just keep those words in front of you. Because the truth is, for so many of us, this is not the reality. We may aspire to this, but this is not the reality. For some of us today, it's for me to live as money and to die is to leave it all behind. For some of us, the truth is for me to live as fame and to die is to be quickly forgotten. For some of us today, it's for me to live as power and influence and for me to die is to lose both. For me to live is possessions and for me to die is to depart with nothing. This is what happens when you're hidden with God. This is what happens when you've died with Christ. In fact, verse 4 of Colossians 3, so we bring this to the close. The Bible is promising you today that there is a day when Christ will appear. When Christ, who is your life, can you say that Christ is my life? When Christ, who is your life, appears. You see, the fixed thing of this earth is an unseen thing. The pervasive power of the universe is an unseen thing. This week, they will gather at the Rose Garden, all the major networks, because they think the power is there. They will gather at the Hague. They will gather at the United Nations. They will gather at Capitol buildings throughout the nation, thinking that that is the place of power. And Christ is seen as a religious figure only because he doesn't appear at the Rose Garden. But the one who has his hands on the controls of the universe is the one who's unseen. And there's a day coming for those of you who are in Christ that he will appear. He will no longer be hidden. Jesus himself said, every eye will see me on that day when I return. Every eye. Every eye. He said on that day that my voice will raise the dead of the righteous and the unrighteous. Every living soul in every cemetery he has the ability to bring them back. He will appear one day. Christ is coming. He will appear. And the back half of verse 4 says to us, then you will also appear with him in glory. As his hiddenness is gone, the one that you've been hidden in, you will now be revealed. There'll be no more protests. There'll be no more unjust deaths. There'll be no more need of all that is temporary. Do you have that date fixed? Are you prepared for that? Are you in Christ? There's a thousand questions I could ask you today. How's your health? 
How's your job? Close to graduation? What are you going to eat today? None of those matter. One question that matters. Are you in Jesus Christ? Have you embraced him by faith so that you are hidden, safe, and secure so that one day when he appears, you will have wrapped your life up in him? Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.